to see you all, for real. So, I have a couple, I have a couple pastoral things to talk to you about before we start our series, Refresh. This is in the great tradition of my father, Dr. Roby Coulter, who gave us pastoral thoughts for my whole life, as he was my pastor and still is my favorite pastor. Um, but I just want to mention, we were actually, Nicole and I were actually planning to be here last week. Uh, we were dropping our daughters off in Phoenix, Arizona. They're actually attending Bible school for at least a year. We're not sure if it's going to be longer. We'll see what happens. But then we couldn't get back in the country for a bunch of different reasons. And our flight from Denver to Toronto got canceled. It's a real long story. But just to say, I just want to thank Calvin for jumping in <laughs> with uh, a late notice last week. He did a great job, our creative director. And then the week before, um, Ellen, Michael, and Calvin, they did a fantastic job just ministering to you. And so we are blessed here at the City Church with the staff team that we have. Man, they are so dedicated to moving you and your children and your students closer to Jesus. So thank God for all of them. And they are always doing a great job, aren't they? Amen. We've got some class back there for the team. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention to you uh, on a pastoral note is September the 12th, we're actually be moving to two Sunday morning services live. So both 9 and 11 will be live. So if you are at home and you're thinking, you know, I can never register in time, there's going to be a lot more seats available for you for Sunday. Uh, September, the 12th, both services, 9 and 11, will be available for live attendance. And then the same, they will both be online as well. So that's exciting. Um, you know, so our trip, uh, moving our, our daughters down to the States was was a challenge, but how many you know good things can be challenging, but then also worthwhile? And then we've had a few questions this last week. You know, are you okay? Because like we're just overnight empty nesters, and I'm like, yeah, we're great. <laughs> this is a really good idea. Um, you know, I recommend couples, married couples, got to be specific, have children. But then when it's time for them to go, man, it's a blessing. Let me just tell you, this has been a great week in the Coulter House. We went down there, and it was, it's, uh, this is my favorite Arizona joke, and I have to tell it every time, babe, it's kind of, because I actually brought this up off the cuff many years ago, and I'm very proud of this joke that I came with. You know, Nicole is from Arizona, she grew up there, and how is it that Arizona is like hell? It's really hot, and your in-laws live there. See, but you know, it's just a joke, friends. Nicole's parents save, love the Lord. Her dad is already in glory. Her mom is a wonderful person, but it's just a joke. <laughs> I might have ruined our empty nesting moments with that joke. <laughs> also, I wanted to make mention of, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world. And uh, just this last little while, there's a terrible earthquake in Haiti. And I just wanted to make mention to you, if you didn't know, if you're new to the City Church, that every month here at the City Church, financially, we support an organization called Samaritan's Purse. And they are a disaster relief organization, and they go at different places all around the world. And you can actually go to their website and see all of the areas that they are responding to right now. But we give to them on an ongoing basis. Um, 
to prepare for all of these things. And they come and they show up in the name of Jesus. All the resources are, are taken care of to be a blessing. And let me just tell you a little bit what's going on in Haiti um, from Samaritan's Purse. They have sent two airlifts and delivered shelter, water filtration. They've set up a 36-bed hospitals, hospital. There's teams of doctors and nurses that have gone to Haiti, including a team from Canada, which you are supporting. They have, wait, let me finish, let me finish before I clap. They have sent 31 tons of relief, and these are shelter items, medical supplies, food, water filtration. So you are responding in Haiti with your giving. So give yourselves a hand. Um, and, and all, also, we should continue to pray uh, for Haiti and all of the things that are going on. And we're going to spend, uh, send, invest some extra resources from our legacy offering to Samaritan's Purse right now to be able to assist in the things that are uh, happening there in Haiti. And then I have some comments. Again, I'm not even preaching it, friends, okay? So I just have a, a comment or a couple comments to talk about um, as I've reiterated it a little bit in the last year, it's very important for the church to be unified. Now, we live in a time of political polarization and the necessity or the supposed necessity to have an opinion or to entrench our opinion with our political ideas that we approve of. And I just want to comment uh, today to help us to understand that the position of Christians is not necessarily the Christian position. Let me say that again. The position of Christians is not necessarily the Christian position. In other words, the op opinions that I might have personally, based on my convictions, based on um, my background, based on an education that I've had, information that's available to me, that just and then I'm a believer, but that opinion is not necessarily the position of Christianity at large. So we we need to do ourselves a favor there and not just think I'm a Christian. This is how I think. That's the Christian position. That's not necessarily true. All right. And so I just want to. Uh, I'm just going to dive right in. All right. So. What are the polarization points? And we're going to find some wisdom here from the scripture, and then we can apply it to a bunch of other things that I don't have to address it every week. One of the polarizing things right now that everybody has to weigh in on is, am I going to get vaccinated? Am I going to choose to get vaccinated, or am I not going to get vaccinated? And then how should we think about people on either side of that discussion? So you're ready for some scripture this morning. So I'm going to actually read from the New King James. We're just going to throw way back. It's my dad's Bible. We're just going to read here from Romans chapter 14. And we're going to see some wisdom here from the scripture that will help us on any polarizing topic. Again, the position of Christians is not necessarily the Christian position. So here in Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is dealing with uh, meat offered to idols. And, and this was very difficult for people of a Jewish background. They were still following very strict Old Testament dietary laws. And then there was some people that it didn't grow with these things. And so meat offered to idols was completely meaningless. No problem. I don't care. I'll eat that meat. But Jewish people were like, oh my gosh, you can't eat that meat. That's terrible. It's a terrible idea. So let's find some wisdom 
Let's find the actual Christian position outside of ourselves and what I would think. Are you ready to do that this morning? Are you sure? All right. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not dispute over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, this is not a condemnation of vegetarians in 2021. This has to do specifically <laughs> with meat offered to idols in this time, 2,000 years ago. But the, the, the principles we can read out and, and act, enact the principles in our lives. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So here, let me, I'm going to insert some things here. Let him who is vaccinated not despise him who is not vaccinated. Yeah, but Pastor Brett, don't you know? Yeah, I know. I know all of the arguments. I've heard them all. I'm just talking about a Christian attitude. We, we might actually agree on some of those opinions. And my opinion, in a sense, is kind of irrelevant. What my convictions are, because what's talked about here in these verses is matters of conscience, not matters of salvation. This is what Paul is talking This is a, a conscience thing. I'm hearing this information, and I've grown up this way, and I think this way, and I've come from this place, and so, man, I've arrived at this position. It's a matter of conscience for me to make this choice. Other people hear other information, and, and they're listening to certain things, and they're making choices for themselves, and it's a matter of conscience that they have. Verse 4, who are you to judge another servant? Now, I'm talking about here within the church. That we dare not let the polarization in the world seep into the church. We are the body of Christ. We're not the right-wing body of Christ. We're not the left-wing body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Who are you to judge one, uh, another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls indeed. So you, in other words, you're not going to actually decide on someone's righteousness level. The Lord will do that. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. God is able to make somebody stand or survive or, 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 or whatever you want to say there who disagrees with you. Who doesn't hold your same opinion in a matter of conscience. One person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, again, this is not talking about salvation. This is not talking about the authority of Scripture or that Jesus saves or he's the only way to Christ. This is a matter of conscience. You, you believe something about a day and somebody else doesn't believe something about a day and somebody else has a conviction about certain foods and somebody else wouldn't eat certain foods and somebody else has a conviction about vaccination and somebody else has a conviction about not getting vaccinated. Are you still with me this morning? Hey, if you're new to the city church... And I'm not your pastor yet. Just hang in. We're going to get to some other scriptures here in a second. Verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Let's skip down to verse 14. I know that I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in and of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. What is that? It's a matter of conscience. There's no, it's not an absolute opinion. 
It's not a true opinion. It's not the Christian opinion. It's a matter of conscience. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Oh, okay. This is the Christian position. This is the New Testament law. So if you have very serious convictions about getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated, wherever you are on this issue and a myriad of other issues, you still, if you're walking in the kingdom of God, must walk in love. So I'm not trying to tear down the other side. I'm not trying to hate on the other side because this is a matter of conviction. I'm not going to get entrenched in political polarization. Because why? What is the main kingdom that we live in? Is it the right-wing kingdom? Is it the left-wing kingdom? No, the kingdom that Jesus' followers are in is the kingdom of God. And the law in that kingdom is love. So someone who disagrees with me, I can actually still love them. Listen, the gospel is something else. It's not an opinion. It has no correlation to your opinion or mine. It exists. It is eternal. It's God's kingdom. God wants us to walk in the kingdom ways. Otherwise, we just fight politically just like everybody else. Forever and to understand it's going to go on at infinitum. And this is what I think, and this is what I think, and this is what I think, and this is what I think. We have to be something else. We have to live in this law of love that I can love somebody who disagrees with me in the matter of convictions. Can I get an amen this morning? Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So the thing that you've chosen to do in this area could be a good choice based on a thousand different reasons. But don't let it become evil because you are going to be polarizing about it. Then you are not walking in love and you are for sure not taking the Christian position. Are you out there this morning? For he who serves Christ in all these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be building each other up, edifying one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Insert all of the other Polarization points. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil to the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything which makes your brother stumble or is offended and is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he does not eat from sin, and whatever he does, not from faith, is sin. So whether you're going to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated, that is not my salvation point. My faith in God 
If you're going to get vaccinated, we're going to put our trust in God. Or if you're already vaccinated, we're going to put our trust in God. If you're not vaccinated, you need to put your trust in God. All of us need to put our trust in God. That is the Christian position. Amen. So you can apply that to a lot of things. So don't, you don't have to get worked up. All right? You need to think, oh, how can I love this person? How can I edify this person? Are you out there this morning? Let's get one more big amen. All right. I mean, thank you. <laughs> Last thing, and then we're going to dive into the message this morning. Uh, I would say that we need to pray for the church in Afghanistan. What do you think? Now, one other thing to mention. I'm just, we're just going to throw it all out there this morning. Um, if we don't put on our Instagram, pray for something, you should still pray for things. Now, you know, I'm glad for churches that are like, you know, when something happens in the world, pray for this, pray for that. We're, we're, we're deciding not to do that because I'm the pastor of this church. And before Instagram, we had this. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer. Oh, what about Instagram? You don't need an Instagram post to pray for people that are suffering. We, on our Instagram page, are not going to be virtue signaling. You have this. What did the church do before Instagram? Oh my God, it's not on Instagram. I can't pray. You've got this. Make the assumption that we want you to pray. Why doesn't the city church post about this? I just told you why. We have this. I mean, if we, there's so many things to post about on the constant. We don't, we, our team would be, there's so many things in the news, not in the news, that we need to be praying about. But we don't need Instagram posts to pray. We have this. Okay. That was a total extra. Because I just want to talk about Afghanistan. Now, goodness. If your heart didn't go out to people rushing to the airport, leaving their homes, everything, thinking, I have to get out of this country. There's two things that should happen. We should be praying for this nation and praying for the church in Afghanistan because they are being targeted, my friends. I have some friends who have pastor friends in Afghanistan, and they are already being threatened. It's not going to necessarily make the news. And then the other thing, other thing, it should make us so grateful that we can actually sit here, guys. Because on this same rock, people are dying because they believe what we believe. And I know church isn't exactly how we want it to be right now, and it's for a thousand and one different reasons. But the fact that we can gather and we can worship, 
we can lift up the name of Jesus. September 12th at two services, they should be to the max capacity. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We just pray, Lord, that you help them in this very difficult season. We pray that you give them grace and wisdom and strategy. We pray, Lord, your protecting hand upon them. We pray, Lord, for your help for them. God, we just pray for grace upon pastors and church leaders and families, our brothers and sisters in that nation who are struggling right now. We pray that you come to them with the comfort of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And the last thing I would say about that is also from our legacy offering, we are going to find an organization that is helping Christians in Afghanistan in very practical ways, and we are going to invest into that organization. Can I get an amen? All right. See, I haven't even started preaching yet. All right, so in the summertime, we know how hot it can be when we uh, go out. I know in Arizona, when we were there a couple of days, it was 44 degrees a couple of days, and it's hot. People like, it's a dry heat. I'm like, it's like sitting in an oven, though. It's still really hot. It's not helping that it's not humid right now. And Nicole, who's grown up there, is wearing jeans and a sweatshirt in the middle of all that. That's why she sits by the fireplace in the wintertime. But in those moments when we get really hot, even in a Canadian summer, and we come from the outside, and it's very hard, what is it that we're wanting? We're wanting to be refreshed. We want to drink liquids into our body. We need some cold water to help us. You know, one of the things that we did uh, for my daughters when we were down there is that they they got this apartment, and they're on the second floor, no elevators. Um, And so we we had to buy them a sofa for their apartment. And so... uh, if you didn't know, I have no sons. And so it was uh, me and, and my wife and my two daughters, and we're carrying this sofa up this one flight of stairs. Thank God there was no turns. It was straight up. But the three of them were at the bottom, and I'm at the top carrying up this sofa. And it was really hot. It was really difficult. And they almost pushed me down. But we made it up. We survived. And then... <laughs> But then we had to we, we had to go and you had to try to find the legs and there was no legs in the box for the sofa. And again, it's like it's forty degrees outside and we're already sweating and I gotta go back to the store. I go back to the store and like there's no legs in in our in our uh, in our sofa box. They're like, Do you want to return the sofa? And I almost are like, No, you're crazy. Just can you go find me some legs, please? That would be and then American customer service, it was super helpful. They went and found some legs. They came back, brought us the legs. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I got the legs back to the apartment. No hardware. Just screw the legs into the sofa. Did I mention it's like 40 degrees outside? Back again to the store. I'm like, thank you for the legs, but there was no hardware. They go to the back of the store. They bring out this bag of hardware. I'm thank you. I'm like, I think I won't be back. I didn't mean like a, you know, angrily. I just like, hopefully that's all that we need. So we got the sofa done, we had to screw in the legs, and it was just really hot, and the whole thing. And at the end of all of that, I just needed to be refreshed. I just needed a big drink of water. And this is what life is like in general sometimes. It can be very taxing, and the season that we have just come out of, and the season that we're just going into in life 
It might be really hard or it might be really difficult. We don't know what's coming up. But what God wants to do for us is he wants to refresh us. Uh, Peter preaching here in the book of Acts chapter 3. After the man um, got healed in the book of Acts, he says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as you did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus, times of refreshing. So if we've ever been refreshed by the Spirit of God, it's not as, it's, once is not enough. You know, and we're, we're singing some songs here in the service, and we're going to sing one of those songs again at the end of the service, and, and, and I just want to, just to understand these theologically. You know, the, the scripture talks about the omnipresence of God. In other words, God is everywhere all of the time. But that doesn't mean that God is manifested everywhere all of the time. And when we are talking about pouring, having God pouring out his spirit upon us, it's not that the Holy Spirit has left the earth. It's just a, it, a lot of times in moments we're just unaware or we're not thinking about the spirit of God. And what God needs as it relates to pouring out his spirit, he needs a receiver. He needs somebody in his family to be open to the activity of the Spirit of God in their lives. And the activity of the Spirit of God in our lives is good. He shows up with his goodness. He shows up with his forgiveness. He shows up with his healing power. He shows up with his grace. He shows up with his mercy. He shows up with his wisdom. He shows up with all of who he is. So he needs a receptor. He needs a container. And that's what a time of refreshing is. And then the second thing is that we are, is a vessel, or in other words, something through which the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God can flow through, that he himself can come through us. So we are a container, we're a bucket, and then we are a vessel. So this is what we're talking about when we're saying, God, pour out your spirit. Now, depending on what type of church you've grown up in, you know, and you're thinking about your revival and we're thinking about the outpouring of the Spirit of God, which we can see um, in the book of Acts, sometimes uh, we think, okay, if there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God, we're going to have to have church every day, and we're going to have to have four-hour-long services, and we're going to have to sing forever, we're going to have to preach forever, we're going to have to pray forever. Maybe sometimes that our, our vision of that might be a little bit skewed. But what God wants to do with the church at large and then with individual Christ followers, he wants to pour his spirit into you and then through you so that you can be living out kingdom ways, as I talked about in Romans chapter 14. Well, everybody else is being polarized. You can be something else. You can be someone else. You can be a container of the Holy Spirit and then a vessel through which the Holy Spirit can flow. You can be the wisdom of God in the middle of a hateful situation. Amen. And then God can connect people or help people or bless people that would never actually come in a church building when all of us go out as buckets and vessels of the Spirit of God. 
So God wants to refresh us. He wants to refresh us from this past season, and he wants to refresh us to get ready for the next season. God himself is present in his presence. We, we, did, we did a whole Bible study earlier this year. Um, online is available on YouTube about the Holy Spirit, that God is with us by his Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. Sometimes, well, you know, somebody said the Holy Spirit, they did crazy stuff. Well, that was them. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit's God. The Holy Spirit is who Jesus is on the earth. And the things that Jesus did is what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. And then one of the things that we talked about in this series is that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We saw, I took one whole lesson to talk about where God's spirit dwells. And we are the temple. In other words, the place, the dwelling place of the spirit of God. So when God is pouring out his spirit, because we need times of refreshing, not just time. I, can rem- I mean, I've grown up in church, and I can remember um, so many great church services and so many great prayer times and so many times just sitting with the scripture where I've been refreshed. But how many know God is infinite? There's more times than the times that we've had. And like I said, God wants to refresh us from this season, and he wants to refresh us to get ready for the next season. So something that refreshes us, man, it's like a drink of cold water and a hot Arizona day. In the book of Joel, we, we see this time where their crops had been uh, desolated and, and, and so many terrible things had come and all of these locusts and all of these different animals had eaten up their crops. But then we see here in Joel chapter 2, and this is something that we also see um, in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out the ch- on the church, and this is true for us today. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and afterward, after what? After the locusts had ruined our crops. After we maybe had a really bad year, and maybe we have some stuff coming up in the future that we don't know. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. What are all those things? Prophecy, dreams, and visions. These are all things about the future. See, God wants to pour into you his vision for your future, for the future of our nation, for the future of our world. That's why we can't get entrenched in politics. I'm not saying that we don't vote. We need to vote in a couple months, next month. We need to vote. It's not what I'm saying, but we can't just be political avatars. It's empty. The conversation is void of progress. But in the kingdom of God, it is what God sees for the future. And that is what God wants us to partake of as individual followers of Jesus, as families committed to the life of God, as a church. God has a future for us. He wants us to prophesy about it. He wants us to dream his dream. He wants us to see what he sees for the future. Because if we would just look at the past, if we would just look at the past 16, 19 months, whatever it is, we would be like, man, the animals, the, the locusts have eaten up our crops. It's really bad, but God wants to pour out his spirit. 
God wants to pour out his spirit in each one. And he wants to have his spirit flowing through each one, young and old. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heaven and on earth, blood, fire, and billows of smoke. John chapter 7, we read this a couple weeks ago when I was here. On the last day, the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is where life satisfaction will come from. It's going to come from Jesus. I'm glad about your, your political persuasions, but they're not going to feed your soul. And nobody hearing your political persuasions is going to walk away from you like, oh, my soul is fed. Like, they already heard it on the news. The news you like and the news you don't like. They've heard it. It's not going to feed your soul, but from Jesus. From God himself. Will satisfy us. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Refreshed. It's a hot day. Carrying the sofa up a flight of stairs. Coming through a really difficult season. Maybe going into a really difficult season. We're going to come to Jesus. He's going to refresh us and we are going to drink the metaphor of being refreshed. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's us. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never Ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. You know what mercy is? A great definition of mercy is you don't get what you deserve. Because of all of our past, because of all of our all of our mistakes, all of the things that we've done wrong, aren't you glad we aren't getting rewarded for all of that? God's mercies are new. We don't get what we deserve, and grace is God is giving us what we don't deserve. All the good things of God. Thank God for His mercy. His mercy. That I am relying on his mercy, not my perfection, because I, I don't actually have any, and you don't have any to rely on. You know, in, in my mind, when people say, you know, they're going through a hard time, and they're like, I don't deserve this. I'm like, eh, maybe you do. And what my point is, I don't mean that they're any more worse than the rest of us, but all of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things wrong. But thank God for his mercy. What are they? They're new every morning. God is not looking at our past to decide our future. He's looking at Jesus. 
and what Jesus has done for us. And he gives us mercy. Isaiah 61, verse 3, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oaks of righteousness. And we need to be strong in our faith. The oil of joy instead of mourning. In other words, God refreshes us with joy. And you know, you, you have to choose joy. When, when Nicole and I were on our 42-hour excursion home uh, last weekend, that can actually just take four hours. You know, you got to find things to laugh about, otherwise you'd cry in the middle of it all. And life is always like that. Things don't actually go always how you had planned them. Have you found that out? Life doesn't always go as planned. And people don't always do what you want them to do. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to wait for everybody to be perfect? And we're going to wait for our nation to be perfect? It's not, it's not, neither of those things are happening, friends. Until those things, until everybody does what I want them to do and everybody votes the way I want them to vote, until people take my vax position, I will have no joy. Then you will have no joy forever and ever. But true joy comes from God, something else. It's not, it's not going to come from polarization, friends. It's going to come from God Himself, the creator of existence. Jeremiah 31, verse 25. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. Refresh. Fill us back up. This is what God wants to do right here in this moment in our church. For you coming through a difficult season, maybe going into a difficult season, God wants to replenish you. Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew, make me new. And I'm going to keep coming back to this because we are in a political season. Listen, I'm, I'm not devoid of political understanding. I, I understand what's happening in politics. I have political opinions. But th those things are not going to renew a steadfast spirit in me. How well I can argue my opinion or be against the others in the argument. I created me a pure heart, O oh God. That I can actually love all people. I have decisions based on conscience. But that I want to have a pure heart that God gives me. That's born out of love. Because he sent Jesus to die for me because he actually loves the world. So it, it is the place from which we should live. 
It's not that we don't have convictions, but our greatest conviction should be that God has called us to love people. Scripture says, oh, no man anything but to love him. People are, are not owed your political response. You're, you know, you're there on Instagram, just like, i gotta, I got to reply right now to the opinion with another opinion. No, you, you owe them love, actually. last couple verses and we're finishing and then the team is going to lead us in another song. Psalm 42 verse 1 says this, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Is this our greatest desire? Is God our greatest desire? The giver of life, the giver of salvation. Does my soul long for God? This is so important. Because if not, we just get stuck in all of the stuff that's happening in our culture right now. And but the psalmist hits it on the head. My soul longs for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with my God? I, I love the honesty here in the Psalms. Could be talking about a past season that we've just gone through. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in, everybody say it with me, God. Put your hope in God. September 21st, I think that's the day after the election, you may be happy or you may be sad, but that day, put your hope in God. Or 
or frustration or anger outmatch the depth of your call out to God. See, whatever measure of difficulty that we're facing right now, let's say it's this long, do you know that God is more than this? More than the struggle that you're facing? So the depth that we call out to him needs to be bigger than this. So the depth that we're calling out from is, is a call of hope. And what does it say? Yet I will praise you so that I can be refreshed. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. This is what God wants us to experience. See, it's a good idea and it's a good doctrine, but God actually wants us to experience it. He wants us to experience himself, all of who he is in a time of refreshing. Let's all stand up together today. Let's just pray for a second, and then our team is going to lead us in this song again. And again, as we're, as we're singing this song, but the point of it is for us to be containers of the Spirit of God. God, fill us up again. Refresh me, renew me from the season that I've just come through. Refresh me, renew me, prepare me for what's up ahead. I see what you have for me up ahead. I see what you have promised to me in your word. And you, watching us at home, please engage in this moment as well. God wants to refresh all of us today. Let's just pray and then we're going to sing. Father God, we just love you so much. We come to you and we say, Lord, we receive times of refreshing from you. We receive the necessary thing from you. God, we're so thankful for all of the aspects of your character and your love and your grace, all of who you are. And we might, like the book of Joel, look back and our lives over the last little while and we can see destruction and we can see difficulty, we can see pain, but you want to pour out your spirit upon us, that you want to fill us again, that you want to strengthen us again, that you want to heal us again, that you want to give us wisdom again, that you want to give us hope for the future again. God, we put our trust in you and you alone. We put our trust in you and you alone. We don't trust in ourselves, Lord, but we trust in you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We just bless you. We thank you, Lord, that you are pouring out your spirit upon us and refreshing us. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.